The following is a sermon from the Vicar at Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. Today our sermon text comes from Ruth, chapter 4. If you're following along online, we're on page 10. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The woman living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. This then is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Aminadab, Aminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz. Boaz, the father of Obed, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David. This is the word of the Lord. It's a big day today. Today we start a new church year. We start over in God's word. We're in a new season. We're basically starting over in the Bible. We're back at Matthew 1, where we find a genealogy. We're here in Advent, right? We're looking forward to the coming of baby Jesus. We're preparing ourselves for Christ. So in that spirit of looking ahead, with our sermon series, we're going to look backwards. We're going to look back at that family tree found in Matthew 1. It's a list of names that lead all the way down to Jesus. And if you're anything like me, when you're reading the Bible and you come across a big, long list of names of Hebrew names (laughs) that you probably can't read. You probably skip it and you look for something more interesting to read, like an actual story, if you're anything like me. But what Pastor and I want to do with this sermon series, we're calling it Family Tree, is we want you to slow down when you hit that genealogy, that list of names. We don't want you to just see names you don't want to suffer through reading. We want you to see stories and histories, examples of God's grace shown to his people. Today we start with the story of Ruth and Naomi, where God gives them an unlikely redemption. And this redemption does a few things. It redeems from broken bitterness. It redeems the outlier. And it points us to Jesus coming. Our text actually starts right in the end of Ruth. It's kind of a weird place to start, right? We're, we're going to talk about their story, but we only are focused in on the last nine verses. And really what it is, is it's a flyby. Years pass in just a few verses, but that's how God decided to write the book of Ruth. In these nine verses, we have what? We have a conception, uh, we have a wedding, a baby shower. We meet 13 different people. We have nine generations of family history. The same thing happens in the beginning of the book, too. 
In less than five verses, we get introduced to a new character named Naomi. And we learn why she's broken and why she's bitter. Five verses. That's all God needs to show us the pain and the sadness of Naomi's life. It goes really quick in the beginning of Ruth. Basically, like this. There's a famine in Bethlehem, the town in Israel, where, where Naomi and her family live. So they leave and they move to Moab, a foreign country, to find food. And they live there for some time. Her two sons get married. They settle down. And then all the men in her family die. That's how it goes. One day they're living in Moab, gathering food, and then the Bible says her husband and her two sons die. Naomi is broken. I've met people like that, and I'm sure you have too. Maybe medically we would say they're, they're depressed or they're going through a, a deep trauma in life. But in the eyes of your average person, they're broken. Something is different fundamentally about the way they live. Maybe the things that they used to like don't interest them anymore. They've lost that spark for life. They're hurting. That's Naomi. She's broken. But there's more to the story. There's, there's nothing else to do at this point. She's broken. She's lost her her children. She's lost her husband. So what else is there to do but go home? She goes back to Bethlehem thinking, maybe I'll find food there. So she says to her two daughters-in-law, now also with her, she says, go home. Go find some happiness in your life. Go find a husband. Don't stick around with me. But much to her surprise, the two daughters-in-law say back to her, no, Naomi, we love you. We want to go back to your house. We want to be with you. And here's where we see that she's, she's not just broken emotionally, mentally, maybe spiritually too. She's bitter and she's angry. She spits back at those well-meaning daughters-in-law. She says, go, get out of here. Don't wait for me. I'm too old to give you another son to marry. Go on with your life. Go back to Moab. The Lord has made me bitter. What we see here is Naomi blaming God for her problems in life. And it goes even further. When she does get back to Bethlehem with her daughter-in-law, Ruth, her old neighbors see her and they go, Oh, it's our old friend Naomi. She's back. Wow, we missed you so much. And she says, No, that's not my name. Don't call me Naomi. Call me bitter. Because that's what God made me. It's fair, in a way. She says, when I left Bethlehem, my hands were full. I had a family, I had a life, and now God sends me back completely empty. She's angry with God. But what she needed right now was protection, and she needed earthly things like food and money and a house and a family, but she had none of it. It had been taken away from her. What she needed was this guardian redeemer. In the Jewish society of that day, that meant a relative of the dead husband would marry the widow. And when he did that, he would take on her debt. 
and he would provide for her the things that she needed, like, like food and a house. And the hope was that he would be able to produce her a son that would take care of her in her old age. That's what she needed in this moment. But when you look at her heart, it's obvious there's another problem. It's a spiritual problem. She's spiritually broken too. And maybe you've felt it. Maybe in life you've been hurt more times than you can admit. Maybe you feel like there's just a target on you that just takes pain and suffering in life. And you're tempted to think at God, God, why am I the only one who suffers in the world? If you're really in control of everything, why don't you just send me some relief? When we think like that, we're tempted to just throw the blame at God for all the problems of the world. And what that is, is sin. Naomi felt it. We've felt it. She didn't just need that guardian redeemer who would take care of her. She needed a sin redeemer. And so do we. And that only comes through one person, and that is God's own son, Christ Jesus. But this is Ruth's story. The book of the Bible is called Ruth for a reason. Where does Ruth fit in here? So she was the daughter-in-law of Naomi who came back to Bethlehem with her. She was a widow. But even more so, she was a foreigner. Born and raised in Moab. She didn't have any rights in Israel. She was looked as less than one of the Israelites. But she clung on to faith. What Ruth did have was she had this faith. She confesses it to Naomi in chapter 1 in this beautiful statement. She says, Naomi, wherever you go, I will go. Your God is my God. I don't want to do anything without you. I'm going to take care of you, protect you, serve you, because I love you, Naomi. It's amazing sacrificial love that Ruth shows to her her mother-in-law. But she was an outlier in Bethlehem. If you know math, if you have a graph, there might be points on that graph. And you can make a nice little neat line, but sometimes you get a point that's way above or way below that line. That's called an outlier, right? It doesn't fit in with your data set. And that's exactly what Ruth is in Israel. She's a cultural outlier. She does not fit in. I think the best way to describe how that might make her feel is to talk about what happens in the middle of the book. One of the points in this story is that Ruth has to be careful when she's gathering food for Naomi. Widows were allowed to go into the field and pick up pieces of grain to feed themselves. That was part of Jewish custom. But Naomi has to tell her which fields she can search in so that she wouldn't be assaulted by the Israelites. This was supposed to be the land of the believers. The Israelites were the good guys in this story. Ruth was a believer too. But she has to be careful. She doesn't feel safe and secure in her new faith home. It's a terrible thing. I don't know if you've felt like that, but but maybe some of you have. Like you can't feel comfortable or, or safe or accepted in your home. And even more sad is that 
when it's true in the family of believers, right? Maybe it's just your personality or your interests that you feel different than the rest of God's people. You feel like you don't fit in. Maybe you deal, like a, you deal with the temptation that you just think, oh, how can God use me? I'm a horrible sinner. I, I'm not like these other believers, these people in church who are so you know, perfect and upright. I, I, I'm different. I don't belong. How can God use me? But that's when this, this position as an outlier turns into sin too. When the devil's lies sneak into your heart and tell you you're not good enough, you're too different, God doesn't welcome you into his family of believers. But it's not true. God welcomes you with the truth of his love, taking on flesh itself in his son, Jesus Christ. He sent his son because he loved us so much. And that son would go on to die and forgive us so that we can be sure, even if we feel like we don't belong to God's people, through faith we are, we are loved, valued, and forgiven by God. Now before I talk about why this redemption is so unlikely, I want you to imagine something with me that helps put into perspective the Advent season and the story of Ruth. Imagine you're walking through Manhattan, something I'm sure all of you have done, and it's pretty normal that when you're walking on the sidewalk, you're in a shadow, right? Because the sun is always blocked by the buildings around you. But when you look ahead to the intersection, you can always see that sun beaming through the street. And that's kind of how I want you to see the story of Ruth in the season of Advent. As we walk through the shadow in, this, in the Old Testament, this Old Testament story, what you see at the end is this light the light of Christ shining brilliantly into this story. Even though we're years and years away from meeting him, Christ is shining at the end of this story. And we're going to see how. You want to know how I, why I call this redemption unlikely? We should set the stage, I think, one more time. Naomi is bitter and angry with God and is totally mentally and spiritually broken. Ruth is trying to take care of her, but she's a foreigner, a cultural outlier who has no rights and, and really no power to help Naomi. Well, they get lucky. God sends a great harvest that year, so there's food for them to eat. And Naomi guides Ruth into a field that's owned by a man named Boaz. And I don't mean to paint this story as a Hallmark movie, even though we're getting into that season, but Boaz is just Mr. Perfect in this story. He's the knight in shining armor who shows up and he just seems to have no flaws. But God be praised, it's who he is in the story. Boaz, he takes care of Ruth and he, he gives her food and he gives her extra food for Naomi and he even does the culturally unthinkable. He marries Ruth. He shows sacrificial love by taking on this amazing burden of, of two widows who need to survive. And he does so with, the, with the, the knowledge that if he has a son, he gets nothing out of the deal. The son gets all of the land of Naomi's family. The son gets the blessings. Boaz just does this out of love. You can't help but see 
that shining light of Christ at the end of the tunnel, when you see Mr. Perfect Boaz to show up and just pour out sacrificial love on Ruth and Naomi. This brings us to chapter 4, right? Where we saw the, the wedding, the conception of this baby, a baby shower, the naming of the baby. We meet all these people, generations and generations of history. Against all the odds, God uses the bitter, broken widow to guide the cultural outlier, to marry Mr. Perfect, and a baby is born who redeems them, who will grow up to save Naomi from her broken bitterness and supply those earthly needs. This, this redeemer, this guardian redeemer, is, is now a crying, screaming baby set in the lap of Naomi. And she doesn't really know what to do with him. The Bible doesn't say she wraps him up and loves him and kisses him. She just kind of sits there. And I don't know if it's the, neighbor, the neighbors who scream, Praise God! He has not left you without a guardian redeemer. But God starts healing the heart of Naomi. And she takes this child and she cares for him. This baby, Obed, would grow up. And he would care for Naomi and Ruth. But more importantly, he would grow up to be the grandfather of King David and carry on the line of Christ. So not only do we have this bright, shining light at the end of the shadow that is Christ, we have a direct connection that is just pulling us along to Christ. It doesn't matter if you've been bitter and broken in life. You're not ready to feel joy again. You feel different. You've been hurt in life. It doesn't matter if, if you're the cultural outlier where you feel like, God can't use me. Am I really welcomed into the family of believers when I'm such a sinner? When I just feel different? Jesus sends an unlikely redeemer for all of us too. He doesn't redeem us. He doesn't guarantee us uh, financial security and land. He gives us the forgiveness of sins and life everlasting. Strangely enough, he comes in the form of a baby too. 28 generations after baby Obed. But this baby is a baby who's also the God of the universe. He's the king who rides into Jerusalem on a donkey. He came for the normal people like you and I. For sinners. It's an unlikely redemption from start to finish. But it's our redemption through Christ Jesus who forgives us. The newborn Christ is the result of this long family tree we see in Matthew 1. But it redeems everybody like you and me. Each branch teaches us something new. Ruth and Naomi can show us God's amazing love and faithfulness even when we can't see it from earth. He heals the broken, puts joy in the hearts of the bitter. He welcomes in the outliers and says, you are part of my family. You are loved. You are valued. God supplied Ruth and Naomi, a guardian redeemer, in this story. But you can't read it without thinking of the sin redeemer, Jesus Christ, who God sent to save all of us.
Amen.